Welcome to the All In Your Head podcast, where we get all in your head. We are a mental health podcast focused on anything and everything mental health. We will have special guests ranging from mental health experts, mental health advocates, and just everyday people with real struggles. We will share laughs, we will share cries, but most importantly, we will have real conversations about mental health. So with that being said, let's get all in your head. Woohoo! There's a lot to discuss here, and you created what's called the Imagine Project, and I've become very familiar with the Imagine Project, but you know we have a lot of listeners who do a lot of different things who may not know anything about it, so why don't you just first describe what the Imagine Project is? Okay. Um, the Imagine Project is a program, it's a nonprofit program that helps kids write their stories, their difficult stories using the word imagine. So it's a seven step process that's in a journal format that anywhere in the world could download for free. And kids of all, and adults really, uh, K through 12, and there's an adult journal. They write about a difficult story and every sentence begins with the word imagine. And using the word imagine helps them to kind of step away from their story and makes it makes it a safer way to tell your story and not get pulled into the negativity of it. And then in step four, it's the kids or adults are asked to what, how do you want that story to end? You know, how do you, how do you see that story? What positive light can you bring to that story? And it's really, really a powerful process that can be done individually. It can be done as a group or in a classroom or even a larger setting. Hoo-hoo. Have you ever had trouble with disengaged patients in your group therapy sessions? Duh. How about patients who can repeat most topics back verbatim but still end up back in treatment again and again? The Institute for the Advancement of Group Therapy Bridges That Gap. They provide training for counselors and therapists on maximizing patient engagement and recovery skill building in the group therapy setting so that patients can successfully apply what they've learned outside the four walls of therapy. Upon completion of the course, participants receive 10 NADAC accredited CEUs and an official credential as a certified group therapy expert or CGTE. To learn more about the much needed training and apply for credentialing, contact them via their website at grouptherapycertification.com or email at certification at grouptherapycertification.com. For example, I did it just recently in Greeley, Colorado, which is outside of Denver a bit. And it was a school that had some challenging kids. It was a seventh grade classroom. And I went up um, and helped the teacher and I led it. And actually some firemen were there, which is really cool. They were joining us to see how the uh, process worked. But there was a young girl there who wrote her difficult story about being taken away from her parents and put into foster care. And, you know, writing the difficult story for kids like that is a little bit easier because, you know, they know exactly what they want to say, how hard it was, how she wishes she had a family, you know, imagine being taken away from your home, imagine your parents not being nice people, imagine feeling lost, imagine wishing that you had a regular family. So when it came to the step four, the principal actually happened to be sitting right next to her and they called me over and they said, well, she doesn't know what to say. 
And because mm -hmm. she was so stuck in the center of the story and it's so was so defining her with good reason. It was a difficult story, but she was, I just gave her some ideas, you know, how about imagine creating your own family someday. Imagine finding a family who loves you. And all of a sudden you saw it in her eyes and she just clicked and she started writing this positive story about possibility in her life and how she does have control over her story. And, and then she stood up and read the whole story to her classmates, which was so powerful for her because she really was able to stand in her truth. And that happens. And the other kids then understood how difficult her life was. You know, the other kids, they wrote about bullying, they wrote about moving, they wrote about loss. Um, and they all kind of learn each other's stories. And then there's more compassion and kindness within a group or a classroom. So it's a seven step process. It's real simple and um, it's really powerful. It's very, very healing. And of course, you know, it doesn't heal everything in one time, but if you can teach kids to use this process when they're struggling with something, then they can um, have it as a tool for life. Yeah, it's really cool. I've seen it used in a couple of different settings and in different ways. I know you use it with kids and adults. And a lot of times when I've seen it as adults, it's them telling their stories. There's the stories of recovery, there's stories of resilience. You know, I use Charlotta as an example. She was a guest in an earlier episode and she recovered from something very painful. And sometimes through those challenges, comes empowerment right and so i've seen it used in that way and then i like how you're also using it with kids who still are in the midst of their story and they're in the middle of it. and there's a lot of emotions involved right when you're in the middle of it and it's hard to think logically and it's hard to even be future oriented and there's a lot of research about future orientation and how important it is for people who are struggling or come from different backgrounds just to imagine a future and so i, I think it's really powerful for these young kids who may be in a really difficult situation to be able to acknowledge where they came from and even acknowledge where they are at now, but then imagine something different. Right. It's, it's hard for some kids to do that. You know, a lot of kids who don't have really challenging stories, it's not as hard. They can see it. Maybe they are surrounded by love and their families or whatever, but it's easier for them to figure out, you know, what do they want next? But kids who are in a more difficult story, like some of the kids that I know that you work with yeah. or adults, you know, it's a little hard for them to see, well, can I get out of this scenario? So to support them and show them that, yes, that's possible is really, really cool. Yeah. Diana, how did this even come about? So I had a challenging childhood, a really challenging childhood. And then um, when when my daughter was born, she was born premature. I worked with preemies actually, and in my in the hospital. And my daughter was born at one pound twelve ounces. She was very tiny, size of a Pepsi can, and she um, taught me about trauma. She taught me how there's so many different avenues that you can be affected by trauma. She was traumatized. I was traumatized. Our family was traumatized by this experience. So I went back to school and uh, got my master's in psych mental health nursing and started, I'm a huge believer in alternative therapies. Also a believer in, you know, typical therapies, but uh, yeah. so I, I was beginning to to speak about trauma and prematurity to doctors, nurses, other parents. 
And I just came up with the idea of write your story using the word imagine. So I asked a bunch of other parents to write their story using the word imagine. And it turned out it was really, really powerful. And it was healing. And we all cried together on the internet, you know, as we shared from all over the world. And so I thought, well, gosh, what can I do with this? And then so I decided to travel and, and bring it out into the public. And I created the coffee table photography book that has a lot of stories of ordinary people who've overcome extraordinary circumstances like Charlotta and people who experienced uh, were in the military or had faced suicide in their family or had been homeless, you know, and they all wrote their story using the word imagine. And then I was, you know, amazed by the power of the healing of using that method. So I thought, well, I wonder if who should I do this with? And, you know, kids, we need to get to kids early and help them support them. I wish I would have had it as a child. Yeah. And so I asked a friend who was the teacher in a suburbia school, I said, can you see if your kids can write their imagined story? And he did. And in a room of 28 uh, eighth graders who were actually supposed to be studying science, <laughs> they, they wrote their stories. And it was jaw dropping. Talked about loss, their parents not paying attention to them, you know, too much attention to them, you know, moving sick siblings or scenarios in their families that were really hard. And in that classroom, there was three kids that talked about suicide. And we, I was like, wow, this is a uh, window into their psyche. Yeah. So I kept going, and I eventually created the seven steps and created the imagine project. And now we've, we're in all 50 States and 24 countries. And we've reached probably close to a million kids, which is really remarkable. So it all came from, you know, my own personal experience with my daughter. And then I just built on it yeah. and with a lot of help along the way, sure. I had a lot of people who helped me design it and create it and took the risk of bringing it into the schools at first, you know, uh, I had teachers and counselors say, you want to do what? And because we don't talk about that kind of stuff in the classroom. And then they realized, you know, especially after COVID and there's such a awareness about mental health, they realized that, you know, this is important. This is something we need. It's social emotional support. So now it's people are more receptive and it's used everywhere. Yeah. And I've seen it at use as well. And it's been very powerful. And the setting that I've seen it used is with very high risk adolescents. And, you know, I was a little skeptical at first, how are these uh, you know, high risk adolescents with pretty difficult backgrounds going to accept this intervention? And mm-hmm. at the beginning, I think they accepted it as I thought a little resistant, maybe even a little quiet, you know, what is this? Who is this lady? Because you were the one facilitating it. And by the end, they're sharing very personal things about themselves. They're supporting each other. There were tears. And if not familiar with this population, that just doesn't happen typically. And I've done a lot of treatment groups with this population as well and different psychotherapy groups. And they're very closed off. And it's really difficult for them to share anything personal about themselves And I feel like this intervention opened a window and I can't really explain what happened when I observed you facilitating the Imagine Project, but it was something really special. 
it's hard to understand what the Imagine Project is until you witness it, because it's this transformation that is a little bit jaw-dropping, it's heartwarming. I can tell you that I went into a classroom, it was the last week of school, and the teachers decided to do the Imagine Project that week, which is not the best time because the kids need more time. Anyway, they had written their difficult stories and then they said, well, she's going to come in and listen to you read your stories. So they all came into the library, the ones who wanted to, these were fifth graders and there was probably, I don't know, 60, 70 kids there. And they read stories like you couldn't believe. (laughs) None of them were talking about going to middle school and none of them were talking about COVID. Well, I remember one girl was talking about how hard it was because her parents put so much pressure on her to do well in swimming. And another little boy, he was small for his age and had on, you know, thicker glasses and uh, the kind that you and I would want to just hug, but (laughs) in schools, you know, they don't always get well-received. Yeah. And so he stood up and read a story about how he had so many thoughts in his head that he could never share and how hard it was to... Uh, deal with these thoughts and, you know, how he didn't fit in and how he thought nobody liked him. So many kids stood up after hearing that and said, his name was Jack and said, Jack, we love you. Mm -hmm. And we, and they just embraced him and made him feel so received. And, you know, unfortunately it was the last week of school and they were going to uh, middle school the next year to be in very different classrooms, but it can do that if, if it's done early in the year, Imagine the camaraderie it creates and the difference that it makes in those kids' lives to be heard and received and known that they aren't weird. They are struggling with something that somebody else might be struggling with too. And it's really, really powerful to see that transformation and to see the kids hug and and support and love each other. It's, It's what we should be doing. I wish everybody could witness what happened in that room because it's how life should be and you know full full acceptance and love it's just about love and if you just hold the space for love then they'll do it and that's what i do <laughs> and that's the experience that i had too it was interesting like i said before there's some level of resistance at the beginning and by the end they're fighting to tell their story like they're everyone wanted to to be first and part of what that tells me is that people want to tell their story and they do and and they don't for different reasons. And maybe it's a fear of acceptance, like you were saying. Maybe they don't think their story is unique or worthy of telling. I'm not really sure, but people want to tell their story. They really do. And they just want to be heard. We all just want to be heard. And kids who get the opportunity to tell their story and realize they don't have to be defined by that, that they can write a different story instead. It's a, it's pretty remarkable. I have a teacher that helps me. He was a, he's retired last year, but he used the Imagine Project quite a bit. And he, in that year of COVID where they first went back to school, he's in the Cherry Creek School District. So fortunately they were in their classroom all year and, uh, but they had to wear masks and it was really challenging. And he said that year was the the best year, the best kids that he'd ever put out to go to middle school because they were so, they understood themselves, they understood each other, and they had the chance to process what was happening. They did it for, they wrote imagined stories for 9-11 when they had to study 9-11. They wrote imagined stories about Black Lives Matter. They wrote imagined stories about, they came in from the playground 
and something had happened out there that they weren't comfortable with, they would say, I need to write an imagined story. And so it was a tool that they used to cope with life. And not every child wants to stand up and read their story. Some of them are too shy or all the things that you listed, um, you know, that are said that they, maybe they don't think their story's worthy. Maybe they don't want to be made fun of, you know, but they'll show the teacher or they'll show somebody and which is really, really important. Yeah. I talk a lot about, and I've done training for educators and educational leadership and I use the neurosequential model of education, which is really just teaching them how the brain works and how to tap into the prefrontal cortex is where the reason happens. And teachers think about their jobs as really getting information to the prefrontal cortex, but the neurosequential model of education says that in order to get information to the cortex, the students have to be regulated and they have to have some level of connection and relationship with the people around them, not just the teacher, but the other students. And I think what you're saying is so important here because I don't know that we always put the work that we need to in to making sure students are regulated, but also making sure that they're connected with each other and I think if we put that work in more often and sooner, I think I think teachers would find that their teaching experience is much easier. Absolutely. You can look at kids, they have to be in their, we call them the wizard brain versus the lizard brain. When they're when they're in their lizard brain, their you know, primal brain, they can't regulate themselves. And if they're stressed out or thinking about something that happened the day before, or somebody's looking at them funny, they can't focus. They can't be in that wizard brain. They can't stay regulated in order to learn. So getting them regulated first is so critical and so important. And when you're in a community where there's a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. in that community, it can be even in elementary school. And that those kids are not regulated. You know, it's the saying of, instead of saying what's wrong with you, what happened to you? And when you use the Imagine Project, you can find out some of what happened to them. And they have an opportunity to regulate themselves and to be able to be focused and heard and listen to whatever they're supposed to learn. If that doesn't happen, then they are going to fall behind. Yeah, that's all really cool. So what have you been able to do with the Imagine Project? You talked about a little bit and how it started and where it's at, but what are some of the cool things that you've seen happen with the Imagine Project? Uh, Wow. There's been some amazing things. You know, I I wish I could. It's just hard to articulate everything. Maybe that's your next book. Yeah, that's right. Articulating everything that's happened in, in these experiences. You know, it's maybe an unfair question, Diane, because it truly is one of one of those things that you can't really understand it unless you're there and you experience it. And even if you do put it into words, and I'll probably ask you to try at least, but even if you do put it into words, it still doesn't serve it justice. Right. Well, I think to see um, where it's being used, it's being used all over the world, 24 countries we know of. I went down to Guatemala. I was actually there on vacation and I went into a school and helped lead it. I don't speak Spanish, but there was an interpreter there. And they told me that these kids never talk about their stories. I mean, these kids have difficult stories, parents being killed because of drugs or different things. And these kids wanted to do better. They wanted to have a life, you know, that they could support themselves. 
but yet they were dealing with these horrible poverty and illness and everything. So to see them to, to stand up and read their stories and embrace the possibility, that was very cool. I was in a classroom in downtown Denver, a rough area, and there was a young girl there. She, I think she was in eighth grade and she was in a gang. She was forced to be in a gang because they said they were going to hurt her family if she wasn't. She was struggling to write her story. She was very fidgety, very traumatized. You could tell she could not sit still. She was not regulated. So I sat next to her. So imagine this. I sat next to her and um, she's like, I can't write my story. I don't know what to say. I'm just, it's hopeless. I'm just stuck in this. And I said, well, okay, let me help you. How about you write, imagine being in a gang. So she wrote that, imagine being in a gang. I said, um, now write, imagine no one getting hurt. So she wrote that, imagine nobody getting hurt. And then she looked at me and she started writing and she said, imagine being free. Mm. So she got it. There was a switch in her head that came on and then she talked so much about how much she loved it. And, you know, she was super resistant. It was like, I'm not doing this. This is stupid. And then by the end of it, because there was a switch in her heart, a switch in her mind that was able to see the possibilities of life and those kinds of transformations. I mean, I've seen it with first graders. I've seen it with, you know, high schoolers, with middle schoolers. Fifth grade is a very sweet spot for the Imagine Project. So to see a, that classroom, you know, classrooms transform and stand up and they all want to read their story. They can't wait. I saw a little boy in a fifth grade classroom who he had had a lip and palate repair, serious surgery. You know, there's a deformity when they're born in their lip and palate. And so he had to have surgery on that. This was a classroom that was not empathetic. They were not compassionate with each other. The teachers said, I've never seen a classroom this bad. So I went in, ran the Imagine Project, and actually the teacher ran it. And then I was there to listen to their stories. And the little boy who had the surgery read his story out loud, and he was crying so hard he couldn't finish reading it. Mm. One of the guys next to sitting next to him said, I'll read it. And he started crying so hard. <laughs> because oh, wow. he had his own story that he hadn't so he couldn't read it so then the teacher stood up and read it and they just all this compassion just showed up and they all were sitting on the floor and they all surrounded this little boy and started hugging him so that's what you can witness from the imagine project you can witness this love and camaraderie and something that we're so we need so badly in this world and to teach our kids to be this way. And it's, that's the beautiful things that I've seen uh, with the Imagine Project. There's plenty more, but to see the different ways that it's used all over the world is, is pretty remarkable too. Yeah, it's out there. It really is. And I, I didn't realize that it's that much out there. I mean, 24 countries, that's impressive. All 50 states. I was, impressed when our school district cherry creek school district adopted it several years ago and i thought that was a big deal <laughs> and so <laughs> to know that it's in, in so many states and so many countries and it, a lot of people are using this and if i know that a lot of people are using this i know that a lot of people are being helped and classes yeah. are becoming safer and kids and also adults are being provided an opportunity to tell their story and to be heard so 
I'm really happy to hear that. And I think it's such a great resource for people. And a lot of the resources that you have are free, right? So tell people how they can access this resource. Yeah, you just uh, go to theimagineproject.org. So just put the in front of it. There's another Imagine Project in uh, New York, but theimagineproject.org. And to download, there's all, all sorts of information there, like for um, teachers and school leaders. There's a whole page on this is what how you use it. There's some lesson plans. But for parents, you can just download it and use it with your kids. So there's a journals page and you put in your email and we just, we don't sell or use the emails. It's not signing up for the newsletter or anything. We're just uh, trying to keep track of it for uh, grant purposes. So maybe say how, how many are using it, one or 30 or a hundred, whatever. And then you can download whatever journal that you want use and there's all sorts of videos and other information on the this website so i've also written some books but you don't they're just in support of the imagine project you don't need those books to actually do the process but they're there too if you like them yeah i think that's really good information for the listeners that there is a resource out there that's absolutely free you have no reason not to go to a website at least download it and take a look at it and it's a free resource. I encourage anyone who uh, works with people to mm -hmm. download and take a look at it. And anyone also encourage anyone who is a people <laughs> to take a look at it as well, because I, I so much believe uh, in this resource. So just to talk about the books real briefly, and the reason why I want to talk about it, because the books make a difference as well. One specifically that I want to talk about is Byron the Caterpillar, who love to imagine it's a book that it's a book that uh, I we have in our house and have a bookshelf behind me and it's in the bookshelf behind me. But I know I've read that to my son plenty of times. And so, what is what is Byron the caterpillar who loved to imagine? What is that? <laughs> Byron is um, a book about a caterpillar who uh, dreams. He loves to dream, and he goes to the forest telling everybody his dreams, all the animals his dreams. And they think he's being ridiculous, right? So they kind of make fun of him and they make him feel bad. And he's, um, yeah, he doesn't quite know what to do with that. So the wise owl tells him to go listen to his heart. So he goes and sits on, you know, underneath a tree and really listens to his heart and decides, you know, that he's going to imagine doing all this stuff, you know, flying in an airplane and so then um, as time goes by, he wakes up and is a butterfly and gets to do all the things that he wants to do. So it's a really sweet, cute book. And it's actually a great story for adults too. But um, yeah. thanks, thanks for saying so, because it was a very fun book to write. Yeah, and I, my son, my son specifically really likes that book. And like I said, yeah. we've, we've uh, had several nights of him hearing that story before he goes to bed. So I appreciate you um, putting the energy in to write that book and put it out there in the universe. And then the other book that I just want to highlight is the stories of courage, hope, and love. How that book has been helpful. Number one, it sits on my coffee table at home, but it also sits in public areas of these treatment centers across the country where I think oftentimes people think that they're the only ones going through some of the challenges that they're going through and maybe that there's no hope. And so to be able to read someone else's story, a story of someone who maybe came from 
a difficult background or had something really bad happen to them and for them to have the resiliency to work through that and to make that something different i think that's really special for people thank you thanks it's a it's really a beautiful unique book and it was really incredible to create you know uh, i had had a photographer that helped and did all the pictures and then asking these people sometimes they had a hard time writing their story and sometimes it was super easy uh, for them, but they really got to put their story out there. And yes, the inspiration and the hope. Imagine Project really is about hope. And um, that book uh, demonstrates that very well. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on this podcast. And thank you for all the work that you've done to help people, to give them hope, give them inspiration. It really has made a difference. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me and, uh, you know, telling the world a little bit more about the Imagine Project. And I'm very grateful for the work you're doing, too. You have just listened to the All In Your Head podcast. Learn more by following Jamie Glick on LinkedIn or by subscribing to the Mental Health Training Camp YouTube channel. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call now or text 988 to get connected to free confidential support. Thanks for listening.